BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Our guest today... I'll be honest, I never really expected that we would have a story like this on the podcast. And that's because it's just so unbelievable. And I only know a snippet of it. Today we have on Cece Hendrickson, who actually escaped a cult. And she's here to share that story with us and how it's inspired her moving forward and every little lesson that she's taken along with her and brought towards her social media and, you know, her children, her family. I'm so excited to welcome her today. I'm very, very excited to hear her story and also just have that like somber feeling of sadness about somebody having to experience something like a cult. But I think it's important and I think that it is going to be an eye-opening episode for a lot of us. So please welcome Cece to the show. All right, Cece, welcome. We got through a technology challenge this morning and we're here. (laughs) I'm more energized because we are awoken now. We're good to go. How are you? How's, uh, How's today? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm kind of like, I have admired you for so long Really, that being here on this podcast is kind of a big deal for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. Yeah. I followed you. You're one of the first like people that I followed on Instagram when I first downloaded it after I left. Oh my gosh. Wow. So how long have you actually been on social media? Well, I left, it's been 10 years since I left. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but I didn't download social media right away. I think mm-hmm. I got Facebook first. <laughs> yeah. And I've had that for like probably eight years, but Instagram was much later, probably yeah. six years. Wow. So. That's really cool. I that's That's fascinating because I actually reached out to you. I had seen one of your videos and I was so, I mean, I audibly gasped when you shared a photo of you in this religious cult and then, and it's, it just felt like it's something almost like I've watched Kimmy Schmidt. I've seen news articles, like I've seen all of these references to cults, but I've never actually seen somebody 
in that I saw online who was talking about it and showing images of them. And then fast forward to who you are now. And I was like, it looks like a hundred years had passed. It truly <laughs> looked like two entirely different people. And that's when I reached out to you and I was like, wow, if you would ever like to share your story. So I'm so grateful that you're here today. And I'm also grateful because I said to you earlier, I've only really gotten to know snippets of that story. And so I'm excited for you to share, you know, the process of, uh, you know, recognizing that you were in a cult and also how you actually escaped. So take us back. How did, at what age did you, were you born into this or was it something that you got into at a certain point in life? Yeah. So I was born into it and it goes quite far back. You know, my parents, their parents, I don't even know how many generations, but okay. it's, it's been built from generations upon generations. And so, yes, I was born into it. My family was huge. We had a large family. My dad had, when, when I was born, he only had one wife, but, um, he got another one when I was 10 months old. So yeah, we had a very large family. So you grew up in it. At what point did you did you know it was a cult or did was that just life for you? And like, does the word cult even when you're in it, is it something that you can even recognize or you're just, no, this is just a way of life. This is religion. What was it that you felt when you were in it? Did it ever feel weird or different when you were a kid? No, when I was a kid, honestly, I had a great childhood up until about 12 years old. I was I was happy. I thought, you know, this is, this is it. We had lots of siblings Our the two moms that we had actually got along, you know, they, mm-hmm. they tried to make it work. And with all of these kids, they, they did fun stuff with us. And it was pretty normal for me and for all of us, you know, even when I talked to my other siblings, they're like, yeah, we had a great childhood. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until later that they started to like add more and more strict rules and kind of change how they wanted people to live. And I didn't start wavering in my, like, I don't know what you want to call it, like beliefs, I guess, until I was about, I want to say I was 15. Okay. And then it start. I started to waver a little bit and I left, I not left, but I started to sneak out with boys and getting drunk and stuff with mm-hmm. with them that was kind of my way of rebelling against what was put on me even though i had no idea what i was messing around with like alcohol and stuff yeah. i never even heard of alcohol before it was just the people i was hanging out with had access to it somehow so we got into it you know and that's really when i started to question things but then somehow my dad like reeled me back in and was like no you can't do that like that's you know, if you do that, you will go to hell. And if you keep doing that, you're going to have to leave and be kicked out of our family and go figure out life on your own. And I was only 15. So I was like, well, I don't want to do life by myself. I won't have a mom. So I decided to turn myself around and did everything he asked me to do and stopped like hanging out with boys and stuff at that point. And you actually got married. What, how old are you when you got married? And was it something that you had choice in? I, I honestly, I don't know what the <laughs> structures of any of this is. 
And if it was something that you were like told you had to do, or did you have some freedom of choice within getting married? I mean, I think I could have said no, mm. but I think, but I know that I knew at that time there was some girls that said no, and they were kind of shunned after that. Mm. Um, shunned. And then they just kind of never, ever got married. They grew up and got way older and were never given the option to marry again within the cult. And so when it, when my time came, I was 16 and I for sure wasn't going to say no. I felt like in the life that I was in at the time, I felt like that was the next step for me. I, I didn't want to go back to sneaking out with boys and lose mm-hmm. my family. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, if, you know, I, I need to, I, I'm that age, I need to move forward because in that cult, 12 to 13 is kind of when girls start to think about getting married. What? 12 mm-hmm. to 13. Yep. Oh my goodness. And how yep. old were you when you got married? I was 16. You were 16. Okay. So, I got married at 19. I thought that was young. 16. <laughs> my goodness. I have a 16 year old right now. She doesn't even know how to clean her room properly. I can't even imagine having the responsibility of like having a marriage, let alone everything that would come with it, which I'm right. going to assume was children. Yep. 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 I got pregnant pretty quickly. Within the first five months, I think I was pregnant and had her before my, like, let's see, I think I was 17. Okay. I was just before my 18th birthday. So in the cult, did they ever teach you about your body or teach you about sex? Or was that something that you basically learned? Like at 16, I mean, that's when a lot of people go through a lot of self-discovery and maybe enter into that, but you're just straight, okay, now I'm married. But also a lot of people get married in their twenties and thirties and don't know a lot about sex or relationships. Was that all like really new for you or did people prepare you for it? Or was it just sort of like, go and figure it out? Yeah, it was absolutely new. I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about sex or my own body for that matter. All I knew is that women had a period. Mm. And so when that time came, I was extremely nervous. And I remember, you know, you're taught your whole life within a, a religious cult. Don't look at, you don't even look at a boy. You don't talk to boys. You don't, wow. you do not have any kind of interaction with boys unless they are your family. And if you do, then you're considered like wavering in your faith or whatever. Wow. And so, you know, like I said before, when I was sneaking out with those boys and stuff, that was definitely against the rules. Like that's why it was like, if you don't stop doing this, you're going to have to leave. Yeah. And so I was 16, you know, got, got married. And then he had to teach me everything I know. So they taught the boys, the boys knew. Well, not necessarily. He only knew because he had a wife. What? You weren't mm-hmm. the first wife. No, I was a second wife. Okay. So you were a sister wife. Was yeah. that just, I mean, I'm guessing within that realm, you've already grown up with a mother who was a sister wife or like, would you consider your dad's sister wife a mom or was this somebody like, how, how was that relationship? Like, what would you consider yeah. that person? We talked, we we respected all the moms the best we could and called them mother. So every, every mom that came into our home, we called them mother and then their name. So, okay. So you've now entered into a marriage. You are the second wife. Was jealousy something that you would 
come across or was it just so second nature to be a second wife or have multiple wives that it was just sort of something that was easier to process? I mean, there were times I, I definitely remember feeling jealousy, even though you are brought up that way, you still, you're still human. And it's actually, it's a lot of people are able to share, but I don't, I think it takes, I don't know, you have to feel safe in that relationship. I feel like And within that cult, it, that a woman feeling safe was kind of rare. They taught you to not ever have certain feelings, jealousies, like all these, any, any negative feeling whatsoever, like was told to be, you know, you go pray about it, you get over it, you, you don't feel any of that. Mm. Even anger, like the first time I ever felt anger, I felt like the worst person ever because I was out now. And I was very angry at everything and everyone. (laughs) And I thought I'm just such a horrible person because I'm so upset about all this. I can't imagine like the process of having the old feelings and the old things mixed with new experiences. Is that something you still manage when it comes to like having little bubble up moments of like something that would have been wrong inside the cult, but is actually totally okay and normal now? Sometimes. Yeah. Like I think I'm really hard on myself in certain situations where I'm like, I think that if I react a certain way or feel a certain way, then it makes me a bad person. Is there a part of you that works? Like, how do you work yourself through your own truth? Like this is obviously still impacts you to this day. It's been 10 years since you left, but anybody who has come out of something and has something said to them so repeatedly their whole lives, then how do you, how do you remind yourself that you're like, okay and safe now and that you're allowed to have these feelings or emotions? A lot of times I just like it, it's mostly like a mindset thing for me where I'm like, okay, like. Mm-hmm. This is normal, you know, you mm-hmm. should feel that. I've I've taught myself quite a bit over the past few years to just like lean into those feelings. Yeah. And 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 like another thing too is I was never a crier. Yeah. <laughs> Once you open I've those never, water gates, there's nothing, there's I, no coming back I used from to it. Never cry. Like I was very like just rigid yeah. and like put my feelings aside. It doesn't matter. Like Cece doesn't get to feel that way today. Like whatever. And over the past few years, like I have shocked myself because Mm. I cry a lot. And sometimes I feel like it's just part of the healing process, you know? Oh yeah. Crying is so powerful too. I always, I always envision that whenever I cry, it's what, it's like a gate inside of my body and that's just the buildup of everything and it needs a release. It needs somewhere to go. And crying gives you that. Sometimes when I'm just feeling like emotionally stuck, I'll listen to like a really sad playlist just to cry or I'll watch like a devastating movie just that I know has a sad ending because I have to get it out. Like crying can be so beautiful, but I also like my heart hurts for you that you're still you have, a, I, I say still, but like the reality is we say 10 years, but also it's only been 10 years. Like it's mm-hmm. such a short amount of time for such a lived experience. And the fact that you had that inkling of something's not right here and yet you still were pulled back in. At what point did you, well, let's, let's skip it, not fully skip ahead, but like how many children did you end up having? And at what point did you really start to see it again 
this, I might need to leave. When did that sort of get really loud for you where you became strategic about leaving? Because I can imagine that process is huge. Like you said (laughs) earlier, your family said, you don't get to just leave. You leave your family. You leave, you leave everything. Everything you've ever known. So, you know, it came up again when I was pregnant with my second son or my second child, my first son, Mm. that the questions, and I was very like starting to like, I don't know, just something was off. They were calling all the men to leave their families and go work on a secret project. Their families had no idea where they were and they would disappear in the middle of the night and we would not hear anything from them for a week, for a week. Whoa. And then they find out what that was. Yes. I, I think it was the Called, it's called the YFZ Ranch in Texas. Mm. Uh, there's news footage on a raid that they did there mm, back okay. in eight. So I think a majority of them were on that ranch building it. But at the time, we had no idea. We didn't even know it existed. We didn't have the internet to go research and try to find stuff out. So we were kind of just in the dark. And that's really when I started to be like, what? Why are they doing this? Like there, I mean, our fam, our family needed the support of the the men in our lives too. Like I was pregnant, you know, and we didn't have that. Like, so a lot of questions started to come up then. And then I worked through them, you know, convinced myself that I was wrong. I should not be feeling this way and kind of got past it until I, I had my fourth child. That was my last one within the cult. And I had, I had many like moments where I was like, this is just weird. Like they kept just changing the rules and bringing up more really strict, like requirements. Like, I mean, just for an example, don't put pepper on your food. What? Yeah. Like pepper. I'm talking like in depth, put your pants on with your right foot first. That seems so beyond controlling. It's almost like a test. Yeah. It was everything had a rule or a something like that. And so those are just tiny examples. And so it just got to where I was like this. Okay. Well, whatever, like the prophet said to do this, like we're doing it and we would do it. We would teach the kids to do it. We, we did everything. Like we were just going through it, you know, and then in 2012, mm-hmm. they sent a revelation, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, that's what they call it there, a revelation to my ex. And at the time he had five of us, five women. Okay. And he told him and the other four women to leave. They had done something in their eyes that disqualified them to stay. And so they were supposed to be out by that night. And this includes you and your children. No. Oh, okay. All of them except me, but they weren't, they were supposed to leave their children. For you? Were you going to be responsible for them or were they going to just was, be brought to other people? They took, some of them took them to other fam, like their families, okay. like their, you know, their mom or dad or whatever. And then I took some of them and, and they left, they were gone by that night. Yeah. And. At that time, the only thing I can compare that feeling to of them leaving is I felt like I had to mourn them, like as if they had died. 
there was no contact whatsoever. They were just gone. So just gone. you are now, did you, did he say anything to you? Did you get a goodbye then? It, were they just immediately gone? And how did yes. that feel for you? They, that's when I started questioning everything. Yeah. That okay. was the day where I was like, what? Yeah. Like you just ripped, like at the time that was my family. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm like, you guys just ripped my family apart. And everyone I love is now gone. I mean, other than my parents and siblings, but the people I lived with and interacted with on a daily basis was now not there. And I said goodbye to them. Yes, I got it a goodbye. But yeah, it was, that's when everything started to kind of crumble down for me. How did you, how did you manage to leave? And how did that work with your children? So I moved, they had me move into my dad's house at that point. And there was a guy that I kind of, our paths had crossed. I kind of worked in the office that he worked in Mm -hmm. and we started to talk secretly. We couldn't, no one could find out. Otherwise we were done. Like we would have to leave. And so we kept it pretty secret, but eventually the word did get out. And once it got out, I was starting to get pretty like, I don't know, I was in trouble. I was in big trouble with church, you know, and they were like, Hey, you know, you have to, you're, you're now like, you can't shop at the storehouse anymore. Like you're, they call you a non-member. So you still are within the community, but you don't get any of the benefits that you would get if you were like faithful and doing everything that they asked you to do. And so I just told my dad, I'm like, I, i actually didn't tell him. I just went and found myself an apartment in a town, like an hour away. And I was like, it's fine. I'm just going to move. I'm just going to move over here. You guys don't want me here anyway, because I'm obviously not following all your rules. So I'll just take my kids and me and my kids will just go live in this little town. And so I started to pack up my things and I was definitely stopped from doing that. (laughs) My dad came in there and was like, gathering all my stuff up, getting it out of my car, putting it back into the house was like, no, you can't do that. And so I was like, okay, well, now's not the time I was stopped. The only way it would work is if I was able to get out before someone could stop me. Mm -hmm. And so it was like two months later, my dad came to me and he was like, how bad do you really want to move into that apartment? And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I'll help you. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, why would you help me? He's like, because there's nowhere else for you to live and you can't stay in my house. <gasps> oh, I thought and I was like, I thought this was like a I plot know. twist and like suddenly he's like I the know. good guy and he's like fighting <laughs> to get you out, but he was kicking you out. And yeah, I mean, at least he was being supportive of getting you out in the process. Yeah. So he helped me move and, but it, it was with, with many, many, like, I don't even know the word, just like, okay, I'll help you move, but you have, we, you have to check in with the bishop's office every day they're going to call you ask you all these questions you have to answer honestly and so even though i was out of the town i i was still was very much under their rule and there was a lot of people within the cult that lived in that same town too it just wasn't as many okay and so so i did move there with my kids for a little while but like i was still very much i mean they were watching everything I did. I'd get calls yeah. from my dad all the time and be like, CC, you need to stop this. And I'm like, what? How did you know? Yeah. You know? And he would just be like, yeah, we saw your kids that doing this. And we, you know, you were letting them talk to a a kid that wasn't in the, in the church and you have to stop that. And so it was still very, very much like 
rigid. And Mm -hmm. so I found out I was pregnant with my fifth kid during this time. And when I told my parents, it was basically, okay, well, you know, you're, you're done. You're, you're clear done. And I fought them on coming and getting the kids for a couple of months, but I got so, so sick with my, with my fifth pregnancy. I wasn't even able to like really take, I needed help. I needed, I needed a support system, um, even just one person, you know, but I wasn't going to let anyone in that wasn't from the cult because we were taught not to, I didn't even know how, you know, like, how do you let people in at this point? And so I just called my parents and I was like, I'm so sick. And dad was, he's like, this is his foot in the door. Like, you know, getting the kids, he took them. Um, and basically I didn't hear anything of, or about, or from my kids for a year and a half. Whoa. Oh my goodness. That's devastating. And also like, I hear when you're saying like you, it's almost like you're reasoning with why you would have done that. I think anybody who would have grown up in that situation, you would never have imagined that you'd be separated from your children like that. This is your entire support system. And the only thing you've known, it makes complete sense that pregnant with your fifth, you would go to your parents and your parents would be the ones to help. I can't imagine how that felt going through that and, and how you, how were how were the coming days? I mean, I know this is probably a lot to even look back on. So if there's anything that you don't want to talk about here, we can skip forward in the story to a little bit of a better time. But how, uh, if you if you're open to answering, how did you manage to get your kids back? So you know, obviously, like I said, I was pregnant. So I at first I, I had my baby first. Yeah, I felt like I needed to like get through the pregnancy have her yeah. get get on my feet financially. You know, that was a big deal. I didn't want yeah. to go did get Did you my have kids. money? Like, how did you have um, money? I really didn't. Uh, okay. I was, I was given a little bit here and there from the daddy of the baby I was okay. pregnant with. Okay. Um, and in my mind at the time, I thought him and I were to, like a thing. I thought we were a couple, you know, I, yeah. I was very much in love with him and he seemed to feel the same at the time, but he was very like withdrawn from me. Once I told Mm. him I was pregnant, kind of like he was very standoffish, which was crazy to me because we talked about getting pregnant Mm. like all the time. I, so I kind of thought he was going to be there for me and my kids through this process. He knew I came with four kids. He knew, you know, he knew everything about my situation. So I thought he was going to be there for the long haul really. And so I got money from him occasionally. And then when I was pregnant after, so let me backtrack a little bit. So while I was pregnant, he was like, I'm getting you a one-way flight to Colorado. So we're in Utah at the time. And he says, and I want you to go find your brother. I had one brother that had left a few years before me and we hadn't even been in touch yet. Okay. And so I, was like, why are you doing this? He's like, I just can't like, like take care of you right now. So I need you to fly over there and like live with your brother. And I'm like, I don't even know where my brother is. Yeah. All I he's know is he's dropped in the middle of Colorado. <laughs> like that doesn't <laughs> like, even make sense. Fly me to Denver and like, okay, see ya. Like, yeah. and so I 
got to Denver, figured out where my brother was and kind of like stayed there off and on. But for the majority of my pregnancy at that point, I was living in my car doing sales for an insurance company. And that's how I got on my feet. That's how I was like, okay, you know, I got to work hard. I got to get my kids back. This can't, I can't carry on like this. My, Mm -hmm. my whole life is missing right now. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so at that point I got some money saved up after I had my baby and moved back to Utah because that's where they were and started my like I had to get an attorney, obviously. I didn't want to mess this up. I wanted to be sure that when I went for my kids, there was no one that was going to be able to stop me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it went. I just, we built a case and then we went in to get them and there was, they had moved. There were some complications. They weren't where we thought they were. Oh, wow. And so we had to leave and I was devastated. Yeah. I was like, well, where did they move them to? I thought maybe my dad had gotten wind of us coming and like hid them. So I was really worried because I knew that they would do that. Yeah. And they, he didn't, he didn't get wind. We've eventually figured out where they were. So like a month later, we all gathered up again. It was an attorney, some you know, law enforcement. And we went back in there again and just parked in front of the house that we thought that they lived at and waited for someone to come out and talk to us. And they, they never did eventually a a policeman from the town. So most of the time these cops are, they're members. Okay. So sometimes they sweep things under the rug and don't exactly follow the law, you know? So we didn't know if we would have their help or not, but he called the bishop's office and was like, they're here. She's here to get her kids. Like, you know, what, what should we do? And the the bishop was just like, well, at this point she's built a really strong case. Like the only way that we could get away with not giving her her kids is if somehow her dad can convince her to like leave them. Oh, wow. So you, you knew that they were going to be yours. Yeah. They, I mean, unless they wanted me to file things against them, I already had a case built. So it was, it would, all I had to do is sign a paper at that point. Yeah. And so that, how was that reunion with your kids and how, like kids are complicated and they only know what they know. (laughs) And I can imagine it could have been a, a long variation of emotions and feelings. How were they? And, and confusion. I'm sure they had probably no idea what was really going on. And again, only knowing within the realm that they were raised in. But how yeah. was that reunion for all of you? So he, my dad came and talked to me and was like, I don't know if I want to send them all this stuff. And eventually he agreed. I, I told him I wasn't backing down. And he says, okay, we'll meet at this spot. It was a kind of a public building. It was a very big building with a huge, like, the wall was really long. So we could kind of hide behind there. He didn't mm-hmm. want anyone to, like, see us. And he didn't want the press involved. So he knew if we made a big scene out in the open, <laughs> the press would possibly yeah. come and get involved. And so I went there, waited, and eventually my dad pulled up, you know. And he climbs out at this time. He only had my three boys. And so I just, I just, 
I could not take my eyes off of them. I just stared at them as they walked over. And I bent down and was like hugging them. And my oldest son pulls me down to him and he says, Grandpa says that you're a bad person now. Oh, no. That true. And I told him that it wasn't true and that I would take as many days as I needed to to prove that to him. Because mm-hmm. he said, I want to come with you. But Grandpa said this. And so at that point, he, I, th- he, I think he wanted to believe me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, I think he was nine, eight or nine at the time. And so my boys came, they, they got in the car and we, we left. But at this point, I still had to get my daughter. She wasn't there. Yeah. And how uh, old was she at this point? Because she's the oldest, right? I think she was 11. Okay. So she wouldn't have yeah. been married off yet or anything. You, were, you still no. knew that you could get her. Yeah, I did. And I, I kind of had an idea of where she was. Because previously, I guess, for some reason, they sent her to go live with my ex. Oh. And even though I was did, kicked out, yeah, like I don't know, I don't know exactly the like the whole story of why that was. So they had her go live with my ex, and so I basically had to like work things out with him at that point to to like get our family completely back together. Yeah, and you know, at first it was a, it was difficult. It was a complicated mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. He did not agree with me in going back for the kids at all to start with. And so it took a while. Like we kind of had like a battle. Eventually we worked it out, you know, and we both thought it was best for all the kids to be together under the same roof at the same time. So if they were visiting him, all the kids went to visit him. If they were visiting me, they all came, you know. So we just, that's just how we decided to do it. We figured it would be best to just have them all together. You know, I had to convince him because I was like, look, like, They've been through a lot mm-hmm. back and forth, torn apart, taken this place and that. Like, let's let's make them feel better by putting their family back together the best we can. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we're going to get back with him, but we could do this for the kids. So we did. Wow. And so do you still have do the kids still have a relationship with their dad, even though you're uh in a quite different life now? Yeah, they do. It's gotten better too. I feel like over time they've, as they've gotten older, you know, I think that they start, they, they can understand more. They understand Mm -hmm. why I didn't go back to him. They understand, you know, him and the choices he's chosen, but they also know that they have a choice too. Yeah. And they don't have to follow him or I in our beliefs in any way. So. So let me ask you, because you said one of the things that women really never feel is safety within the realm of the cult. You never are, you don't really get that privilege to feel safe. So the fact that you are now openly speaking about your experiences, I saw you post that like people really didn't like that and they kind of came for you. How have you been able to find that the power that you hold and the voice that you have and be able to use it while having that, you know, that back, that background noise of, am I safe? Am I okay? Is that just a hum that's always been there? How did you push back against those feelings in order to be able to speak and share? Because 
you are not the only person who has had an experience like this, maybe not to the full extent of being in a cult, but people who have left their religions, even their political views, who have lost entire families by simply using their voice. And you come from that extreme version of that. And I think it's incredible that you have found a way to do that. But I know that hasn't been easy. What was it like when you started speaking out and what have the impacts of that been for you? Well, it was actually worse not to, Mm. to be honest, to not like I tried several times. I've tried to open up about my story. I mean, probably three or four times over the past five years and I would try. And then I would just like, I can't, I'm just not ready. I'm not there yet. So I'd share share just a tiny bit. And then I'm like, nope, not again. That's too vulnerable. (laughs) I can't do it. Yeah. Um, but last year, and I know this might sound crazy to some people, but last year I kept getting a sore throat, like for the like end of last year. And I kept feeling like, you know, when you feel like you, you need to say something. Yep. You need to say something. That's how I felt. It was like a sore throat and kind of like, just almost like I was holding my own throat. <laughs> mm. Like I needed to say what I had to say. Yeah. And I got tired of feeling that way. And I was like, Hey, you know what? This is it. Even if it's hard, I'm going to do this. And every time I start like pulling back, like, Whoa, that was really, really vulnerable that I'm like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because there's somebody out there that needs to hear what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing this not to, to share my story or to share like how I've been through it or whatever. It's for other women to see it and be like, mm-hmm. okay, you know what? If she can do it, so can I. I mean, that's just it. And I mean, there's so many stories. I've had so many interviews of people who have been in really tough situations, women especially, who are just figuring out how am I going to get out of this situation and get myself into something safer and better. And it's not this, I think when we look from the outside in and we're like, oh, why wouldn't you just leave? But when you're in that situation, even if you watch the, there's a Netflix series called Made based on a true story. And the author, like in the show, they talk about how many attempts it takes to leave before somebody actually leaves. How much it, it gets a, it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to work through. And I think what's so incredible about your story is that it was a very severe version of it. Yet here you are and you are in a much better place and you are sharing your story. You're using your voice. You have your children. You're out. You're on the other side. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. so important for people to hear that at 15, you had question marks that after your second child, you had question marks. You You were dabbling in leaving for so long before actually leaving. And I think people need to hear that part too, that it wasn't simple. It wasn't point A to point B. It's an A to Z story. Like it is a lot of steps in between and you Mm -hmm. took them. And I think that that's, it's so incredible, but it's also blows my mind when I look at your social media now. And it's, like I said, it looks like a hundred years between the person you were (laughs) 10 years ago. And I'm not just talking about the fashion, although I find it incredible (laughs) watching you have a clothing brand. It's like the ultimate rebellion to be a woman who is told what to wear to having her own clothing line and brand. Like it just, it's 
it, probably not my favorite part. Maybe reunion with your kids is my favorite part. But beyond that, this is, it's so cool. It's so amazing. Tell me how you got to that place where you're like, you know what? Because how would you even know? How did, Do you even know fashion when you were told what to wear and everyone was wearing the same things? Like, did you know <laughs> that there was an outside world that dressed entirely different? Yeah, actually, because my mom, when we were younger, my mom had the JCPenney catalogs coming Ooh. to her. That was her little rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> she always tried to hide them. But somehow we got our hands on them all the time. I remember even looking at the ladies in their underwear and yeah. being like, they don't have to wear garments, like underwear. They don't have to wear a long underwear, like, and their underwear was pretty, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Ours was all white, made out of uh, cotton and, you know, no lacy anything or, or like that. Yeah. So it, we would always sneak and look at those. And so, yeah, I did know, like there was a huge difference. And then we did go to the grocery stores and stuff like mm -hmm. outside of our town okay. we had to get somehow. And so we would see, we would see people and be like, you know, obviously there's a difference between the way they dress and the way we were dressing. So mm -hmm. did you just, at what point did you stop dressing that way and started dressing the way you wanted to? Was it immediately after you left or was it some time? No, I think it was, a it was, I, I, it was like a year. Yeah. It took me, that was one of the, someone asked me that the other day, like, at what point were you just like, Hey, I'm done covering my body from head to toe. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I think that was the last layer for me to yeah. shed Yeah. because it was, I mean, maybe it was my security at the time. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I, I just went and got me some jeans at first, you know, and just a few things at a time, tried them out and was like, yeah, that's a definitely no for me or I loved that. And so eventually just figured out my, like what I like to wear. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of fun to be honest, you know? So trying tell me about, like, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say trying to figure out like what I like to wear. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. It would be, it's like a rebirth of you. You had to, <laughs> yeah. but I, I love your style. Tell me a little bit about, is it pink valor? Is that how it's pronounced? Valor. 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 Okay. Pink Valor. It's so, such a cute shop. Tell me about sort of um, how you landed in doing that. So when I very first left and like figured out my style, it was mm -hmm. kind of boho Western, like at first, like that was very heavily like the direction I leaned and I just felt really cute in it. Like you can wear, you know, ruffles and frills and, and boots, like who doesn't want to wear boots? And so that was kind of like the direction of my style for myself to start with. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I kind of had this idea in the back of my head where I was like, I should start a clothing store, like a, a, a small boutique. I could totally do that. That would be so fun. And that was kind of an idea I had really early on, but I didn't really know how to execute it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to think, I think it was 2020 when I finally opened okay. up that store, maybe 2019. It's, it's kind of, it's pretty new. Like it's yeah. not, it's not that old. And so I just started like putting stuff in it that I thought was cute for myself or my girls and figured, you know, other people would find it cute as well and want to buy it. And then, and like you said before, it's kind of the ultimate like <laughs> rebellion. And that's kind of how I've looked at it is like, I can dress however I want. If it makes me feel pretty, that's what mm -hmm. I'm putting on my body. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> that's kind of how Pink Valor was born. I've since kind of started to lean 
more towards a lifestyle brand and not so much like boho Western because my style has evolved too. Yeah. Like, love that, you know? Yeah. And so now it's more like right now I'm working on some really cool, like t-shirt designs and stuff that I can style many different ways. And they have like messages on them that are kind of rebellious and like, you know, for the, for us, us that know what that's like to have to break away from things that had a chokehold on us Mm. and just like kind of reinvent ourselves. And so that's kind of the direction I'm taking it now. So that's incredible. I'm so happy for you. And I would love to sort of for everyone listening who maybe hasn't scrolled your social media yet, as I'm sure they will after this, tell us about your life today. Like where I'm at right now. Yeah. Tell it, tell us because the more happened after you just left (laughs) with your five kids, what, what happened afterwards and bring us to where you are today. So after I got my kids, we moved, I, we got all back together in Utah and then I was like, okay, Colorado feels more like home to me at this time. It kind of always has. I love Colorado. So we moved back with all the kids, everything. I moved back to Colorado, got me a double wide trailer in a trailer park. It was, it was actually a beautiful double wide. Now I know <laughs> like, no, I've seen gorgeous. They call them. Yeah. T- everyone's like, Oh, it's so cute. And chic. like, you ever see those things? It's like, what's something that's, that's looked down upon if you're poor, but looked up to if you're rich and like tiny homes, tiny homes is a great example. That's essentially the same thing. So I've seen gorgeous double wides. Yeah. We loved it there. Like we had some memories there. Mm-hmm. That's, where, that's kind of where me and my kids, you know, we healed a yeah. lot. Yeah. We got to know each other again. We, we became a family mm-hmm. in that. And I worked at a plumbing and HVAC company as their dispatch girl. Yep. And that's where I met my husband. He oh was one gosh. of the Yeah. So we became friends at first, you yeah. know, like there were times when I was like, hey, can you swing by my house and like drop this off or whatever, you know, as he was doing his like technician runs or whatever. And so we were friends for about a year. And then one day he was like, okay, are we doing this or not? Like, should we date? (laughs) (laughs) Did he know your history? Did he know what you had come Um, from? Had you shared that yet? Okay. So let me think. No, he found out it was a few months after we had met. He was at my house. We were just like hanging out at my house and he reaches behind the couch. He's like, what's this? Because I had like a huge picture in a frame, like hidden and I'm like, oh, oh gosh, oh, no. No. please do not pull that out. I was like, do not pull that out. Please do not. And he's like, what is it? And I was like, just leave it. Please don't, don't get it out. And he pulls it out and he goes, is this you? And I'm like, no, <laughs> that is oh my not gosh. me. Put it back. Anyway, he starts laughing. He's like, so this is how you used to dress because he kind of knew I had like a complicated background, but he mm-hmm. didn't know. He did not know what he was getting himself into. At that point, I'm like, okay, we're done. We're not friends anymore. He's he's going to be like, see ya. You are crazy. Like what you, like that was just insane. I can't handle it. And so I was like really nervous about that, but yeah. he didn't, he didn't, he get, he still to this day will be like, I can't believe you used to do your hair like that. Right. <laughs> 
that it's that I, I don't even know I don't even know how you did your hair like that I it's I'm sure you remember it quite well but it makes me yeah, like even sitting and seeing you having like a bob haircut now I'm like damn rebellion look at you like <laughs> what a time <laughs> that's so cool I love that and you guys are and you are now you have your shop you're sharing online do you have any more kids do you guys have any kids together yes yeah. So we had a baby girl in 2021. Okay. She is absolutely precious. She's basically a mini, uh, a mini of my husband. So yeah, I'll have one of those too. And- also a 2021 <laughs> and a mini yes, of my husband. Do. So annoying. It's I'm like, I just felt like I brought, it was like, I loved being pregnant because I got treated as like the carrier of the baby. And I, I have like video moment of like passing that child over to him for the first time. And I was like, everything changed in that moment. (laughs) Everything changed. (laughs) I love that. I was going to say like watching him as a dad is the first time that I've ever seen a healthy relationship between one of my kids and their father. Wow. And so like, I mean, I mean like a close bond where Mm. she is excited when daddy comes home, you know, every time she like runs into the office, if he's in there working, you know, she gives him a big kiss and like, it's actually very healing for me to, to watch because Mm -hmm. I didn't really have that. My other kids haven't really had that. And so I I needed to put that in there because it's very, it's been to watch that. I wouldn't have even thought about that, about the, uh, about the fact that, you know, the dads before would have been so withdrawn and just like the rulers over you, as opposed to somebody that's a supportive parent. That's, that's gotta be so healing to even watch. And do your kids get along well with him as well? They do get along with him. Um, I feel like because my kids were a certain age when we left, they remember a lot of, of like the way dads were before. Mm -hmm you know, and so it's taking them a little bit to open up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's taken them a little bit to like open up to him and, and trust. That's mm. the base trust that he isn't going anywhere. Yeah. He's there for them. And even in like the disciplining and stuff, like he, he's, he loves them. Yeah. And he's very, he, he's a, he has never done anything that the other men in their life did. Yeah. And so it's been a process, you know, like trusting again and like, or not even again, trusting a man in general. Yeah. Because, because, you know, like men from where we're from, most of them were like that, just a ruler. Uh, They, they didn't, they weren't really human Mm -hmm. as far. How are you feeling? You know, Hey, like I saw that you were having a a rough day or whatever, you know? Yeah. Oh, it makes so much sense that they would have, that they would be struggling. I think even kids in any situation with like a new step parent, there is that like, what are your intentions here? Like, who are you? Who do you think you are? I think one of my kids looked at my husband when we were dating and was like, you're not my dad. And he was literally just at the restaurant trying to be like, watch the two hands on your cup. Or he said something so simple, like, you're not my dad. And I, I remember just being like, whoa, we have, like, there is, it's not a simple journey for any of them. And I mean, I'm so glad that they get the opportunity to work through and get the opportunity to maybe trust somebody again in that way. What is their sort of like outlook on 
all of it now? Are they, do they kind of have a lens now of understanding everything? Are they still working through it themselves? Do they miss the old life or are they just like still sorting it out? I mean, it, it's a, it's a very big life change for sure. It, yeah, it is. You're so right. And you know, we're very open now. Like I'm very open with my kids. Like, and that's funny that you asked me that. Cause I just asked them about that probably a week ago, maybe wow. two weeks. Like, Hey, so if you ever had the opportunity to go back, would you do it? Yeah. And like, no. Yeah. And I'm, I was, you know, it's up to them. Like they're the ones on the journey of mm-hmm. themselves, like figuring out what the process of sorting everything out. It's a lot, especially for yeah. a kid. You know? And so we just explain things as the questions come, like, mm-hmm. you know, our youngest from the cult is, is now 12. Okay. And, you know, he came to me one day and he was like, what was it that the leader did that was so bad? Mm. And so, you know, my husband and I, it was, we were both standing there and I was like, he's old enough. Yeah. We didn't go in detail, but it's like, you know, this is what happened. Yeah. And it's, it's very like, it's not safe yeah. for a whole bunch of people to follow someone that's doing those things. And, you know, we answered his questions and I'm like, if there's ever any time that you have more questions, like come and ask. And so yeah. that's kind of the take that we've gone with as far as like their questions and stuff go. So I love that. And it honestly just speaks to the family. Like you said, when you went into the trailer park that like, this is the first time you guys got to like really be a family, but that's because the family was led by you. This is their opportunity. They never would have been able to ask these questions before. They never would have been able, even able to talk about this before. And you're really creating an environment for them to ask questions, explore, you know, even figure out their feelings about all of that. I think that's so special. And I would love to hear sort of, as we, as we wrap up today, has anybody ever come out from a similar experience and reached out to you? Have you found other people who have escaped as well? Do you consider it an escape in your head or is it just a leaving? I, I feel like it's different for everyone. For me, it was more of I mean, I see it as more of just leading because I mean, in a way, yes, there was times when I felt like I got to escape this, but it wasn't like this big dramatic, like runaway. I tried to sneak and that didn't work out. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was more of just a transition and, and, and a rebellion towards people of like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Don't call me again. Don't, don't call me and tell me I'm bad. Don't call me and tell me I'm not following the rules. I don't care. I don't want you to tell me that anymore. You know, that was more that was the leaving for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more of the, the process that I had to go through more than physically like escaping. Yeah. But for some, it is like that. Yeah. They have to fight against a lot of people to get out. And so I feel like every story of, of someone leaving or escaping is going to be a little different. Yeah. And so, yes, I've made some great connections with people that have left, um, I'm I'm really close with a couple of of moms that have, you know, left and some of them left long before I did and had their kids outside of the of the cult, you know, but they still have the same background. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> what would you say to yourself when you were 15 that you wish you had known then that you and I'm not saying it in the way of like let's erase everything that happened because I do think that you 
not went through any of this for a reason or this happened for a reason, but this is your lived experience and there is no erasing that and there is only moving forward. But seeing who you are now, what would you say to that 15-year-old version of yourself? So when I was 15, I know I had a fire in me Mm. to rebel. I felt it. I know know it because I feel it now again Mm -hmm. um, in like the healing. So I think more than anything, I would say to her to keep that fire alive Mm -hmm. and to follow her heart because that's really what it is that led me to here right now. Yeah. It's that fire, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't let what I'm going through burn this out. I have to keep going. At the time, I didn't have kids to fight for, but I had me to fight for. That's incredible. Cece, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for allowing a lot of us to kind of have a insight into what happens in a situation like that. And also just such a beautiful story of a woman who keeps that fire alive and fought even through decision after decision or life happenstance that kept going. And eventually you made it out to the other side and you have this beautiful life now. Um, I would love for other people to find you and follow along your story as you sort of live out this life. Now, where can everyone find you? And also let's just plug the shop for a second because I think it's so cute. Uh, Pinkvalor.com. Pinkvalor.com. Yep. That's my website. And then Instagram is cc.hendrickson. Perfect. I'm going to have everything in the show notes for everyone as well. Cece, again, thank you so, so much. This has been such a moving episode. I had a million more questions. I wish I could keep going (laughs) because we didn't even get into the faith part. But you know what? If everyone follows you, you kind of get a lot of insight into all of that too. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for healing out loud with us and uh, for everything you do. And for everyone listening, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.